Hello, folks. Dr. Maurice Selby here, medical director, producer, and co-host of Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast. While we strive to bring you the most up-to-date, reliable, evidence-based information to help you live the healthiest life possible, this show does not substitute for an evaluation by a trained and licensed medical professional. It is highly recommended that any advice or recommendations on medications, treatments, nutrition, fitness, preventive services, etc. be implemented under the guidance and supervision of your primary medical provider or appropriate specialist. With that said, we hope that you enjoy and learn from our program, and please be sure to let us know how we can best serve you in future shows. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dr. Maurice Selby, and you are listening to the one and only Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM New York and the Health in Harlem podcast. And I am joined by... My name is Reed. And my name is Anastasia. And ladies and gentlemen, this is our 2023 New Year's program. This is like an annual thing, man. We've been doing this strong for, I would say, six, seven years our sort of New Year's kickoff program. Um, and so, yeah, welcome back, y'all. We got some good updates, it's maybe some disappointing one. ones. Recording the show is something I, I look forward to. Um, and it's almost become part of, of making resolutions for myself every year is, you know, being on the show really forces me to, to write down goals and how I plan to achieve them. So we're going to get into that a little bit tonight. That's the way I look at it too, Reed. I mean, I can track from year to year, sort of what we've talked about in this program. So the commitments that I've made personally, even when we talk about the goals for our program, right on this show, and we sort of can track year to year, um, what we've done. Right. Uh, so yeah, I look forward to it too, man, but I, I mean, you know, going forward, ladies and gentlemen, uh, definitely going to be interesting as we get in sort of, um, you know, what we have or envision for ourselves, uh, this year, sort of where we were, last year um, at this time. I think it's going to get interesting, actually. I think there's a lot to learn uh, from this program, and that's why I agree with you, ReadNet. I really look forward to it each year. Uh, Before we jump into that conversation, uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we had a uh, hiatus in the production of this program, and while we were sort of not on the air, Um, we were definitely busy behind the scenes and we have some big things coming down the pipeline. Um, Actually, I think we can kind of add those to our resolutions, right? Or our goals for the year for the program. Um, And so in future shows, um, and we have some major announcements to be made uh, among them, the incorporation of health in Harlem as a not-for-profit entity, ladies and gentlemen, definitely a big deal. Um, so I think anybody out there is like, yo, what the heck happened to these guys? We're like, yo, for real, for real. We were <laughs> hustling <laughs> in a different way, um, but really all in all to improve sort of what we bring before you um, on health in Harlem. So yeah, it's all part of the long con. Yeah, man. That's what it's all about. Um, we got plans for the long haul. Uh, in addition to that, we are developing a website and blog that we hope to expand on the conversations that we have on this radio program and the podcast and much, much more. And I think when we look at what has happened over the last few years, especially when we talk about COVID 
Uh, when we talk about a number of the challenges before us, before us um, from a public health standpoint, even from a personal standpoint, a lot of the, the pain, um, the depression that we're seeing around us, right? I think we have a big opportunity before us on the program. And that's the whole purpose behind that, ladies and gentlemen, um, talking about everything from disease awareness, sort of right where we, where we usually do um, on the program, but also talking about everything from health literacy to, you know, really just uh, giving us the most practical information to live the healthiest lives possible. That's our goal um, in the end. And so I just want to jump into some news um, as well before we move on. So I think everybody's aware Damar Hamlin is alive. He is doing amazing things considering his recent cardiac arrest on primetime television. And this is something that I think we're grateful for, right? I am extraordinarily grateful for um, this outcome, for the seeming miracle, right? I've definitely seen it described as this um, sort of in the news media. Um, and when people talk about what happened to this young man um, just a few days ago, right? This is, uh, you know, a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, about a week ago almost, where this happened and he is awake, talking, tweeting, um, which is amazing. But one thing I do not want to call it, <laughs> as much as I think this came from on high, ladies and gentlemen, yes, I am a spiritual person, as you probably already know, if you've listened to Health in Harlem in the past. Um, but yes, let's thank God for this outcome. But, you know, this was no miracle, right? Um, if anything, we need to thank God for the high quality, immediate CPR that was administered to Mr. Hamlin. And yeah, that's not a mi- miracle. I mean, if you... You know, by divine standards, it's not. I, I think it's probably the most brutal thing. If you ever witness a person yeah. getting uh, CPR, it is pretty, uh, in a way, straightforward, right? Uh, the compressions that need to be delivered um, in order to provide oxygen and nutrients to someone's brain in the event of cardiac arrest. But the point that I want to make here is that anyone can do this. You know, we had the best of the best uh, for Mr. Hamblin three emergency docs that sort of ran that whole situation um, with the assistance of paramedics, athletic trainers, other physicians that were on the field, um, basically like a mini hospital, right, <laughs> in that that stadium that night uh, to help Mr. Hamlin. But there are many times where those first responders, those individuals are not on scene, but individuals that do get CPR, especially this good, high quality CPR that we're talking about, these depth of compressions, right? Adequate depth and frequency of chest compressions. That is what when we talk about individuals living through events like that and having a good neurologic outcome, meaning being able to walk, talk, speak, um, you know, that type of outcome where they completely rebound. That is in many cases, the difference maker. And so that's why we want to impress upon everyone sort of the, the utility of CPR, having that skill, Regardless of your background, training, education level, anyone can do it. And so we make that case on Health in Harlem to get out there and find your local CPR class. We'll include some links in the in the program so that you can go and get that work done. It's very important. Something that I've I learned when I was younger as a lifeguard and I've always carried with me everywhere I go. Um, but yeah, extremely important skill. One thing I learned, interestingly, um, I don't know if I would call this a fun fact, but just how easy it is, you know, for, for people to go into cardiac arrest, um, like 
I, my brother told me that remember the big snowstorm um, around Christmas, mm. and you know, after like a big snowstorm, you hear on the news oh, nine people died in the snowstorm or something. Um, I learned that most people that die, at least within the US, when there's a big snowstorm like that, die having a heart attack while shoveling their driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just that's crazy how just the exertion of shoveling your driveway can put you over the top if you've already got pre-existing conditions and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, just how, how quickly and, and easily just a small chore like that can, you know, be incredibly detrimental to your health. In that case, Rita, even as you said, is right, um, a person that receives CPR when, it, you know, as quickly as possible after something like that happens, the better their chances um, whether mm-hmm. it's hypothermia, that's something that we know, right? Um, in terms of making sure that we try to get back that person, um, the sooner they get CPR, you know, the the better chance that they have. And so, the more people that have this so you know so valuable, extremely invaluable, um, important skill, the better we all will fare, right? Because mm-hmm. right, it can happen to any one of us, unfortunately. Yeah. So. It's very important to know CPR and to have high quality CPR, but like for the layman person, it's also can be quite difficult to maintain the beat if you're just accounting because there is a rhythm to how you're doing your compressions. Mm. New York Presbyterian does have a Spotify playlist, which actually is Mm. filled with songs that can be used when you're giving CPR in order to maintain the rhythm that you need in order to maximize um, the amount of blood flow to the brain for the person that is undergoing cardiac arrest. So you know, it is a very good skill to have. I wish, you know, we had AEDs more accessible as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but that's like another thing. Um, but having people that are capable of performing CPR um, is actually, you know, the first step because um, cardiac arrests are not fun. They're very sudden. As Reed said, they can be from a small everyday chore during a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, being able to quickly notice it and quickly be able to jump into action um from training is you know something that i feel every every human should know how to do um you mm-hmm. know, to help each other out for real for should real. need be so let's get it done ladies and gentlemen and we will include those resources in our show notes and the next thing yes we had to talk about it the xbb.1.5 subvariant is basically the newest version or subvariant of SARS-CoV-2 out there. Um, apparently, it might be the most transmissible <laughs> variant now, even more transmissible than Omicron. I see, I know, a, I see a trend like, happening here with these <laughs> variants. Anyway, I mean, it's no laughing matter, but it's like, yes, th- th- this is it. There's another one. And it makes up more than 70% of new cases in the Northeast and more than 25% of new cases in the country. It was initially sampled Uh, in New York, actually, New York State, and it has mutations that give it the ability to evade our immune system, thus allowing it to invade our cells and cause infection. Preliminary studies, though, do indicate that bivalent vaccines should provide good protection against the subvariant and antivirals such as Paxlovid are also likely to remain effective against the virus. So if you have not done so and gotten that booster, that update, uh, with the bivalent, that is the sort of original uh, strains or uh, variants of COVID and the Omicron variant, that's the bivalent uh, vaccines. If you have not gotten that, definitely try to get that um, because this is circulating and it is not 
probably not going to be very long before this is sort of the dominant variant that is out there. And yes. with that said, yes, yeah, you like we've that? said before many times uh, on the show is, yes, you do have a, a chance of getting COVID if you're vaccinated, but your your outcomes are much, much better than unvaccinated individuals. And we want to keep you guys healthy. And if you do get sick, we want to keep you guys rebounding from that and getting back to your normal life. So vaccination is incredibly important for that. Yes, indeed. That still rings true. Uh, vaccination also everything else you can do to like prevent your risk of getting covid right um um while we're not mandated to masking is always a good thing um especially it's been shown effective towards preventing you from getting covid plus it's not just covid that's going around right now yes yes, we're focusing on covid but there's a lot of respiratory viruses going on around right now Mm -hmm. um so you know masking ventilating the air um so like you know everyone wants to keep their windows closed but circulating new air is always a good thing Anything that you can do to minimize your risk, especially because we all assume that we're healthy, right? Especially young people. But I'm not quite sure, like, how many people actually went to their pri- go to the primary care doctors and really check themselves out for the yearly check-ins, right? Mm-hmm. So it's always mm-hmm. good to just, it's better to be safe than sorry, because you might have something that you don't know about yet because you have no symptoms of it or anything like that. And the last thing you want is to discover it by being sick with COVID. Um, so it's always good to take precautions for yourself, for the people in your community, like the elderly and children, which again, are also people that, you know, have a higher chance of not getting the best outcome from getting sick with Mm -hmm. anything. So it's always in your best interest and your community's best interest um, to just take care of yourself and take care of others in whatever capacity you can. Obviously, if you're working and you're mandated, you have to go be somewhere where it's very crowded and there's a lot of people, there's only so much you can do. But doing the best that you can for yourself and for others is always a good thing. Yes. And with that said, we are going to move on to our program for the new year, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I'll start first and foremost and say we didn't make it. Um, Actually, I'll speak for myself in saying that I didn't make it. And the Health and Harlem staff um, individually and as a team, we missed some resolutions that were set right last year. Is that really a surprise? I don't know. I think uh, it's statistically probably the most probable outcome, right? Uh, Well, at (laughs) least if that's the case, then one of us should have lasted through like, what was it, January, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, you know, only about a quarter of people will make it through January um, for whatever resolution they set as far as sticking with it. And 8%, for 8% of people, it'll actually be sort of a long-term change, right, that they've made in their lives, whatever it may be. Yeah, but I guess you're right. I mean, if we had more members on the program, maybe maybe we would have gotten a, a little bit to that range. I don't know. Michael, I think, was successful. Michael. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah, there we go. Michael, Michael, he's our one in four. He's our go. one in four. So he did it. Um, shout out to Michael and congratulations. Um, but yeah, the rest of us, we are basically like 75% of the rest of the country in that. I mean, I'll tell you. I didn't make it. I think anyone that recalls my goal for last year, um, and I'll focus on the one that I think I held the most dear because I felt like I think I had the most control over it personally. Um, my goal was to run a thousand miles um, and specifically run a thousand miles, not including other activities, you know, sort of biking and swimming and things like that. It was my goal was to run right pound the ground. 1,000 for 1,000 miles 
and I was excited about it. It was a lot of effort that went into that goal from prior years. Um, and so really, you know, I, th- I felt like I was going to be building on some of the success that I had had in prior years because this had been a resolution of mine for many years. Right. As far as being more physically active, um, being more physically fit and improving my overall health through that. And so I, I thought I was I thought I had it. Um, if anything, I think part of part of the difficulty was that I had become acclimated to success. Right. Uh, to a degree, I feel like my success in prior years actually made me less inclined to be better for 2022. And I thought I had momentum from the previous years that would propel me forward. But that just wasn't the case. It was not the case. Um, now, we, we had some changes. Um, personally, we moved, um, had to get acclimated to a new neighborhood, you know, find new routes to run and stuff. As difficult as that might be, I don't want to just use that as an excuse because, again, I, I had sort of this kind of mapped out plan as to how I was going to go about attaining this goal. And then I think what happened was midway through the year when things were the toughest, right, I lost faith in myself and the goal, especially looking at sort of the, you know, I had this whole thing mapped out as far as how many miles I needed to run a week. And when I realized that, yo, this is not going to work out, <laughs> that's what it was like. It became even harder to. to yeah. Then it looked track. like it, it was almost climbing a mountain. You know? Yeah. Like this is not it's not going to happen. So what do I do? You know, and then it was just like I wasn't pushing as much anymore as, as I think I would have had I still had a chance. I don't know how to explain that, but that is what I experienced. That is exactly what I experienced. Um, so anyway, I got to about. 200. I didn't even calculate the full, uh, the actual miles that I got to. But just a, a rough glance of my breakdown on my watch um, and on my phone, it was like 250 miles. Yeah, man. And the the prior year, it's I was nothing at to laugh at though. <sighs> it, it, I don't know, but for me personally, it was a big disappointment for the year, you know. And something that bothered me not just at the end, but all throughout the year, um, I could see how how difficult it is. Um, with any resolution that we set, man, especially when we don't meet that bar, right? That could be a yeah. huge or if psychological you're not those, setback. you know, quarterly marks you set for yourself, how yes. further and further away that goal can start to feel. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was it was a tough year. Um and that that was my experience this year. Or last year I would say. Um I had a similar experience. I mean, if you Remember last year, I think one of the goals I spoke most about was uh, trying to become more financially literate and learning how to invest. I had put a little bit of money into a Roth IRA, and so that was just kind of sitting there. Um, And so I wanted to learn how to invest it. You know, that's right before the show started. We were just talking about (laughs) the dire situation of uh, our finances and you know how retirement seems like a far off dream especially for for the younger generations Mm -hmm. um but yeah i'm I'm ashamed to say that i i did not learn how to invest this past year um in fact i regressed a little bit financially unfortunately but i'm renewing that goal this year um and that's one of my one of the big things that i would like to do you know it's a Mm -hmm. it's a continuation in life and so what am I going to do after one year of not being successful, give up and then just never have this skill for the rest of my life? 
uh, this is something that I think is, is very valuable and can impact me significantly down the road. Um, so I really want to get it done. And when we were meeting, talking about what we were doing for the show, Mo asked me, he was like, why do you think you didn't reach this goal? And I was like, honestly, I just didn't prioritize it. It wasn't, mm. I know I, I said it was something that I was going to prioritize in the beginning of the year, but I just didn't. And then time got away from me. So I think it's important to, you know, sort of renew yourself into those goals and, and hop back onto the wagon with them. Uh, and we're going to talk about that li- a little bit later when we talk about how to get the most out of your, your New Year's resolutions. But yeah, I think it's, it's important to recommit to your goals. Word. I should have mentioned that at the beginning, right? We ha- There is hope in the horizon, ladies and gentlemen. We definitely have some strategies um, that we are going to ourselves implement too for ourselves, but that we think you will definitely find useful going forward. Mm-hmm. Just quick question, Reed. Do you think with the economic climate last year and even this year, as far as inflation, um, you know, sort of the raising of interest rates and therefore the difficulty um, in sort of getting things like loans and, and making other big financial moves, did you feel that that impacted your ability to reach your or, or follow through on your resolutions last year? Not particularly, um, especially because this resolution was not the most well thought out resolution in the sense that it was mm. fairly vague. Um, I didn't really have set points or goals or, you know, like by this point of the year, I want to, you know, have this much money invested um, it was, it was literally just, I want to learn investing. Maybe I'll get a couple books and read them and, you know, figure out what that's all about. Uh, so I think that might be part of the reason why I'm not at the point where I would need a loan or anything in this financial climate. Inflation hurt definitely just in my day to day life and mm-hmm. in my, my income and my discretionary spending, uh, the amount that I had for that, uh, definitely infect affected it, but I wouldn't say it affected my goal of, of reaching higher financial literacy. That's a good question to ask though, because yeah. it is very grim yeah. out there. <laughs> it, it is, is not yeah. fun. It's not fun to look at those numbers. Um, those percentages are pretty high across all categories. So mm. it is not pretty. Yeah. Um, props to I, anyone that's making it out here. <laughs> if I was a little bit older, um, I think I'd be at, at the point where that would be affecting me more. You know, if I was looking to maybe purchase a starter home or, mm-hmm. you know, looking for my first home, that kind of thing. Um, I can see how that affected people a lot. Oh, this is where the age difference comes into play. <laughs> so, like, this is where we are graciously reminded by Reed that we are actually old and he's not there yet. <laughs> what do you mean um, old? What are you trying to... <laughs> We are ad- advanced, a little, low. a little more advanced in age. That's the way I see it. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that does number. bring up a good point. <laughs> I, I've noticed that in myself too. Is that if um, I didn't have a well thought out methodology, or at least a well thought out, clear cut, specific goal outline, it would be very, very difficult for me to even attempt to try to complete it. I actually don't remember what my New Year's resolution was, and I don't know if I can say this on air, but that's how badly I failed, um, <laughs> that I don't even remember mm. what I wanted to do. But it doesn't mean that throughout the year I didn't overcome challenges and set many goals for myself, um, which again, even if you don't start on January 1st to have a New Year's resolution, doesn't mean that you can't come up with a re- resolution at any time of the year or at any mm-hmm. point throughout your life. And so, you shouldn't wait until January 1st. 
Right. Ideally, right. I skipped my January 1st one, but when I found I wanted to make a resolution or a change, I went about it. Um, so I did hit some of the goals I set myself throughout the year. Um, obviously they weren't new year's resolutions because I don't remember what I originally started with. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what next year, when we say our resolutions this year and we come back around the next year, how we did and how we fared after talking about all the goals and everything else in between. Um, but I did manage to achieve some of them purely because as we mentioned, I was very meticulous and specific about what I wanted to do. And, um, and then it just ended up becoming a situation where I just zoned in and figured out how I can potentially get to that point. Um, and it ended up coming true. Like I got a promotion. Yay. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that ended up happening. Um, you know, and promotions don't come out of nowhere. You have to sit down and figure out what skills you need to get in order to get to that promotion. Mm -hmm. But from a lifestyle perspective, like money wise, sometimes you need to do that. You need to get a better job. Um, and you know, even internally to developing into a better version of myself, you know, I had a goal of how I wanted to become. And I just, when I started noticing myself regressing, I would pause and think about what I did wrong and how I can step closer to who I want to be as a person. Um, so that's still, you know, you can't really tangibly say, yes, I hit that goal. Um, but it, I am comfortable with saying that I've made progress towards that goal, hmm. um, which, you know, is better, I guess, than saying, oh, I didn't make any progress towards it. Because, you know, you can start something, you say you want to do something, and then you end up making absolutely no progress on it. And it ends up becoming this huge thing in the back of your mind, at least for me, where mm-hmm. I think, okay, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. And then I never get around to it. And it's just there festering. Um, so being able to even somewhat accomplish some instance of it, you know, for me was very nice. So actually, we're going to get into some of that because it sounds like some of the principles that we're going to get into it sounds like you use those to be successful. Um, and I think it's really just sort of, you know, we, we're starting afresh, man. We got a whole new year, 2023. Yeah, we, have, we have to talk about Michael's success, though. I know. I want to know more about, you know, unfortunately, he's here. So, ladies and gentlemen, Michael experienced Michael Holmes, the one and only Michael Holmes, um, basically, he, he was successful. I mean, from what he shared with us um, in our show notes, he did what he set out to do. And his goal, mm-hmm. um, his ma- main resolution was to continue Duolingo for an entire year. I, th- I remember him talking about that, actually. Yeah. Um, and sort of getting better with Spanish. Um, one, he had a, a motivation in doing so mainly to facilitate his work as a medical student, right? Seeing patients and being able mm-hmm. to communicate patients. He was rotating at St. Barnabas Hospital in the Bronx. And so being able to speak Spanish is like crucial, right? As far as um, being able to to speak with and communicate with patients and really just a valuable life skill as a whole. So he committed to that and he had, had not lost his streak. Um, currently at 338 days, so he missed approximately 30 days all year. And yeah, whether it be long hours at the hospital or nights out, sometimes it, it slipped his mind. But other than that, he had a 93% success rate, which is higher than, <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's that's pretty good, man. 90, you know, in excess of 90%. Yeah, he did it. 
And I he think said, I think partially uh, how he was able to reach that goal. I don't want to speak for him, but I did speak to him about it. Um, and it, like you said, it's it was that that passion that he has for for providing you know a high quality of care for his patients now and in the future. And I think the more Spanish he learned, the more he realized how important of a skill it was. Because he was telling me even even when they had the translator, when they were able to get the translator when they had free time to come in and talk with a patient. He, he said he started noticing that sometimes they would mistranslate something and it could be something small, but uh, you know, that, that can, that can be a huge difference when, when talking to a provider about, you know, your health. Mm-hmm. So I think he was that, that desire to provide good care was even more enhanced by seeing bad care or, you know, not great care being provided in front of him. Yes. I think when we look at these, it's a beautiful contrast, right? As far as what myself and Reed experienced, um, what Anastasia <laughs> and and Michael experienced, um, we'll begin to see sort of the patterns, I think, in terms of, I think it's crucial, right, to look at the shortcomings, um, because I, I think there are definitely lessons to be learned there. And then I think there are things that we can learn from the successes of our co-hosts on the program, Anastasia and and Michael. So with that said, um, we will transition and I can start just sort of, you know, laying out that I'm going to go for it again. Right. I'm going to go for a thousand miles this year. <laughs> Already started nice. um, this week. I ran eight miles total. Um, it was a little rainy down here in Georgia. So I opted to use, you know, for personal fitness reasons and just just staying active. Um, I was like, you know, one thing I need to do is hop on the bike, right? We have a, a stationary bike mm-hmm. at home. Um, so I did that a couple of times this week to sort of to make up for the days that I was indoors. Um, but the goal still stands. And basically, ladies and gentlemen, um, over the last few years, we've come across some very useful strategies on health in Harlem that optimize our chances of success. Um, you know, when we talk about things like New Year's resolutions, when we talk about habit formation, even when we talk about getting rid of undesirable habits, right? We've talked about a lot of different ways to approach uh, those things. And um, a lot of it being evidence-based, right? As far as um, the way that our minds work, the way that, um, you know, as we said, as human beings, how habits um, uh, become formed um, in our daily routines, our daily lives, and so really trying to attack this from that vantage point. And one of the, I mean, I still use this to this day for pretty much for many of the goals, right, that I set um, in my day-to-day life. And one of them is SMART goals. And this was initially developed by George Duran, Arthur Miller, and James Cunningham. And in a 1981 article, there's a smart way to write management goals and objectives. Basically, the acronym uh, stands for, or the mnemonic stands for, SMART. S is for specific. So 1,000 miles, I don't think you can get more specific than that, right? 1,000 miles for the year, um, that is the goal for me, specifically running. I did not say including swimming or biking, right? Maurice Donovan Selby has to run 1,000 miles this year. That is my goal. Um, measurable, right? This is a totally measurable goal, literally measuring the miles using my my smartwatch, using my phone, um, even just sort of mapping out the distances that I run in the routes that I run. 
uh, right? That is the way that I'm going to really keep track of this, making sure that it's a, a totally measurable goal from week to week. Um, and then we have achievable. Um, and I think it is certainly achievable in that I ran, you know, the most that I've measured in any given year is a 560, 50 miles. Um, that was in 2021. And that's what I was trying to build off of, man, was that coming off of that year, my goal that year was 600, but I got so close that I was like, man, I'm just going to double <laughs> crazy <laughs> me. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go for the gusto and go for a thousand, um, the next year, um, but maybe it might come down to, right, maybe tailoring that goal a little bit and, and a thousand, you know, going from five or six hundred was my goal the year before to a thousand. It's a pretty sizable jump. And so maybe tailoring that goal. I mean, I'm I'm definitely I'm, I want to go for the thousand, y'all. Um, but one thing, you know, sort of looking at the failure last year where I really started to to doubt myself and not be able to follow through on even getting close to the thousand was when I realized I was falling short. And I think that messed with me. And and one thing I want to throw in this, um, in addition to being achievable, um, I mean, is it's not in the original mnemonic, but just being flexible. Because I think at that point where I realized like, man, I'm not going to quite make it, but how can I tailor this so that it is something that I can still, right? I can still um, sort of make good on my, you know, larger goal of just being more physically active, right? Like that's what it really boils down to in the end is just being more physically active and pushing myself. And I think I could have maybe sort of changed that goal um, at that point. The R is for relevant. And so it needs to be something that means something to you. Uh, I think I've talked about this last year and in years past where my goals for physical activity, right, and fitness really transcend what I want for myself, but it's what I want for my family, what I want for my patients, right? Being able to show up to work, like, you know, not only physically fit, but mentally fit um, because of, I, I know that the physical activity I engage in improves my mental state, right? I feel much better um, as far as my mood. I feel way more weak and alert, more energy. Um, and so it's easier for my family to deal with me at home, right? Because I'm not cranky and, and upset around them. So it was a relevant goal in many domains as far as um, me just being a better person and being able to, you know, hopefully with God's grace, be, be around for a long time for my family. Um, and then finally, uh, something that is time bound. The T is for time in that. Right. We need this to be something that we have in a certain amount of time. We have a certain amount of time to achieve this goal. And so over the course of 12 months, um, you know, that's that's the period in which I need to run a thousand miles. And whether it is 100 miles a month um, or if we divided what is a thousand divided by 12, I don't know, we're just shy of about 100 miles a month. Um, but that's that's the goal. Right. It's measurable. Um, it is achievable. It is relevant to me and time bound. And so that in and of itself, by being specific and sort of meeting the rest of that mnemonic, mnemonic, it really lays out sort of a detailed plan and re even reasoning as to why I'm or how I'm going to achieve that goal, essentially. Yeah, and I really like that uh, mnemonic device because I think while New Year's is a time to, to reflect and sort of form a vision of yourself another year from now, it can also be 
a very delusional time of year um, in, in the sense that save never ran before. Some people are like, you know, my goal this year, I'm going to start running and I'm going to run the marathon by the end of the year. And I want to do it in like under three hours or something insane, you know? Yes. Um, and I've heard that before. That, yes. <laughs> it's incredible. And props to you. If you are able to do that, it's just, we want you to succeed with these goals. Um, so using that, that acronym and, and tempering your expectations because at least personally i feel there's a bit of mania in the in the beginning of the new year mm. you know you have a little bit of that like ecstatic you know it's it's a fresh year 2023 i got this you know this. 2020 was ruined 2020 through 2022 ruined by the pandemic like this is still it's still here but you know this is the year this is the year where like i make good on everything i've been saying i've been doing you know i've heard people um, say this is yeah. my year or i got this this is the year that you know everybody has all these expectations which is why it's just such a great time you know to really make these changes as we said it could be any time but to pick a time where you sort of want to reframe things to fit that goal then there's no better time, right? We have a new start on a year. Um, and so definitely I understand why this is, you know, really sort of that year uh, or that time that people choose um, to really make these changes in life. Um, but when we talk about, right, actually being successful and optimizing our chances of success, that's exactly what we're talking about when we, we talk about using things like the smart, um, sort of the smart system, right, or approach to to optimizing your chances of success in a new year mm -hmm. i really like how dr selby and even reed like you both touched on the very important point about um it being something that can be done right i mean someone that is a couch potato or i like i i'm also very homebodied so i understand um i will not run a marathon this year um <laughs> because even <laughs> if i want to i probably won't be able to get myself at a physical point where I can run what 23 something miles in one go. Um, so maybe in a few years, if I start now, but giving yourself the grace also is really important when you're setting these goals, because as Reed mentioned, you know, we're all in this very emotional state where we're like, it's a new year. We can do anything. We survived 22. Um, but it is also the time where you have to, you know, even as the year goes on, give yourself the grace and the kindness that mm. even if you don't achieve the original goal that you've, that you've set, because as time went on, you realized it might've been a little bit out of your reach or unrealistic in one way or another, or life happens and things come up and you won't be able to achieve that original goal, amending it. I don't think there's no one's holding you to it, right? You can have these goals, and there is nothing wrong with using actively using, um, you know, the acronym that we just mentioned, SMART, and modifying along the way, right? Mm -hmm. So even at the end of 2022, 20, wait, we're in 23, the end of 2023, I was about to say the end of 2022 for a second, um, the end of 2023, you might say, okay, I had this, but then somewhere along the way, it kind of changed and it became this, and I still was able to achieve it. So seems very black and white. Mm -hmm. Like you start with mm -hmm. this goal and then that's it. You have to end this goal. I think that life throws too many variables in our, in our way throughout yeah. the year because it's 365 days that there is nothing wrong with, especially the achievable, measurable or relevant part of it. Those can change. 
right? Mm. You might get, God forbid, but someone might get ill. They can't run the marathon then. They're still recovering, right? Mm -hmm. Or life happens and you go have to help a family member be a caregiver. Or, I don't know, you lost your job or whatever. Um, Things happen and they are detours along the way, which is why I think maybe Dr. Selby might change his 1,000 miles to 800, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see how time goes. But, you know, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with, like, just being honest with yourself and saying, okay, I can't achieve A, but I can achieve B. Mm. Yeah. And And I think if if you approach things that way, you'll find at the end of the year, you achieved more doing it that way than you would have if you'd stuck with your original goal. Mm. Yeah, because I feel like you're just so solely focused on that one original goal and without having the flexibility that Dr. Selby mentioned earlier, like you won't be able to see any other paths that you can take to achieve what you originally or the main purpose of the goal is, right? Because we talk about goals being specific as, I'm going to use Dr. Selby because he talked the most about his goal this year. Your The main purpose of the goal is to be more physically active. Mm-hmm. You just chose that a thousand to be like the metric you use for to say, okay, I achieved it. That doesn't mean that it can't change to something else to show that you're physically active. That's just the one that you chose for yourself this year. Mm. So that's what I'm trying to say is that as long as the, as Reed, just to back up Reed's point is that as long as you know the main purpose of why you have that goal, even if it is something that you tailor to be specific so that you can have a metric that you can say, okay, yes, I achieved success you can fundamentally change it as long as it still fits what you want to go at. Okay, I'm sorry. I talked too much. (laughs) And that was perfect because, you know, I think it really shifts us into the sort of the next strategy that we have or tip that we have Mm -hmm. in terms of, right, again, being successful in these goals that we set for ourselves. And a lot of it points to mindfulness. And according to Jeffrey Davis, author Um, of tracking wonder, reclaiming a life of meaning and possibility in a world obsessed with productivity, mindfulness might be the way to go when it comes to training, right, to to form new habits and getting rid of older ones. And in an article that appeared in Psychology Today, Davis said, if you want to form new desirable habits this year, you do well to foreground your happiness, your desire for delight, and your capacity for wonder to make a habit stick. Um, And by happiness, right, he actually makes a a distinction between hedonic happiness um, versus happiness that's derived from deep satisfaction and fulfillment, fulfillness, um, a.k.a. the type of happiness that was defined in Aristotle's Nicomachean um, ethics. Right. In this light, pleasure and amusement or happiness are meant to serve our ideals. Right. It serves to give us the emotional boost that we need to pursue worthy goals. Um, And Aristotle wrote, it would be absurd if the end of life were amusement and our lifelong efforts and suffering aimed only at amusing ourselves. The happy life seems to be a life in accord with virtue, which is a life involving serious action. Um, And so, a.k.a. Right. You know, if we look at sort of um, uh, right, I, I have sort of the overarching ideal of, as I said, being around for my family, being physically fit and active and healthy enough to engage my family, to take care of my family, to have fun with my family, especially my children, um, then, right, that being the end goal, that is my happiness. That's what I've realized in my life, right, in my personal journey as far as 
you know, running a thousand miles. It's not about the thousand miles. It's about being there for my daughters. Right. I can chase them and play with them. Um, not only now that I have that energy, even after a long, exhausting day. Right. Sort of the um, fitness that I've built up. Right. I can still play with them even after coming home from an eight hour shift at work. Um, and my goal is to be able to the thing that makes me most happy. Right. Spending time with my daughters, spending time with my family. Um, I would be able to do so in the years to come. That's what it's about. That's what that thousand miles is about, is that in you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, I will still be able to do that because that's what makes me happy. <laughs> that's what I real. So when I'm running up the hill, it's as much pain as it is, right? The virtue of building my fitness so that I can be around for my family and friends. That's why I'm, I'm willing to take that pain um, or endure that pain going up the hill in that by getting up that hill right today and getting up that hill tomorrow, I will be able to maybe walk up that hill in 30 years, you know, whereas that might not be possible if I don't maintain some level of health mm -hmm. and fitness at this stage. Absolutely. And uh, I like that you, you talked, you touched on mindfulness because uh, I think a por an important part of, of breaking bad habits. And I know a lot of people make that their new year's is to break certain bad habits is mindfulness and being aware of those habits. And you almost need to be like a scientist out in nature a observing your own behavior from a distance uh, because sometimes it's not that obvious what certain triggers are for bad habits. Say one of your goals is to eat healthier throughout the year. If you're, if you're not mindful, you might not notice that you always have a break at work from maybe 2 to 3 p.m. And that's the time that you always grab a donut or you snack the most. Mm. Um, and it's, it's easy to not pay attention to those kinds of things. Um, and to not realize, you know, two to 3 PM, that's when I'm always the hungriest. That's when I haven't had lunch. And that's when I tend to like grab something unhealthy to eat. So yeah, just identifying those times and being ready and, you know, thinking about how you can attack that. Maybe you could, maybe two to three will be your smoothie making time. And that's the time every day that you'll make a smoothie and you'll throw in, you know, kale and whatever you got in the fridge. Or maybe you'll make sure that you eat a big lunch around 12 to 1 and you make sure you're not hungry during that time you have a break. Um, but yeah, these are, these are just small adjustments we can make along the way as we're paying attention and sort of, you know, redirect ourselves back to the right path of getting to that goal when we find ourselves straying a bit. Mm. And especially, um, you know, one thing I've done to sort of mitigate that is because uh, I've definitely been through that. <laughs> I'm hungry. Either I go like food shopping hungry or if I'm starving, I'll just be like, yeah, mm -hmm. let me just pull out this Uber Eats real fast and get something to my yeah. door. But trail mix, man, like I went back to one of my old, I felt like a good habit and, um, and just having my trail mix on me almost at all times. So those times where I'm hungry and I'm li likely to break down and just, you know, grab a calorie laden, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. juicy I mean, probably delicious burger that I would regret later. Um, I would just take a handful of trail mix, uh, maybe have some dried cherries or something in there um, for a little extra yeah. flavor. And that will hold me over, um, you know, while I figure out the next move as far as getting something um, in my body that will likely be more healthy. Right. Because I prepared it at home and sort of was more conscious in terms of uh, making sure that, you know, I'm, I'm putting something into my body that is going to benefit me more. Um, so yeah, man, yeah, that, on, that is huge. 
on a similar note, another tip I wanted to touch on was uh, friction. And so, you know, friction is typically, you know, two objects rubbing up against each other, you know, preventing each other from moving smoothly. Uh, so that that's sort of a theory that we can apply to reaching our goals. And we want to reduce the friction in achieving those goals. So say your goal is to eat healthy and you know you're always hungry around that time. One thing that I do to reduce that friction is I make a big batch every now and then of like these homemade energy balls with date paste and oats and like an omega-3 nut mix and that kind of thing. And I freeze them ahead of time. And then when I know I'm hungry and I need a snack, I know the nutritional content of that too. I know that it has enough protein that I won't be hungry for the next maybe three hours Mm. or so. So instead of, you know, having to make yourself a salad, all you have to do is just pull, you know, like a a pre-dosed bag out of your fridge and you're good to go. Um, So something like that, reducing the friction would be make it so much easier to achieve your goals, especially if you don't have time. And, you know, part of the reason why you're choosing unhealthy things is because they're available. Facts. And if you could send me that recipe on a low, actually, if you don't mind, we can, we can post it in the show notes and that sounds good. Um, Definitely something I want to try. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, I mean, I've even seen people sort of go to length of as as far as what Reed is talking about, reducing the friction, right? Um, and sort of, okay, as you probably all know right now, I'm becoming a more serious runner, right? I'm a serious runner. So, um, a lot of the things that I say center around that, but I've read of people like going to the length of sleeping in their running clothes so that when they wake up, yeah. <laughs> right, there's less friction because <laughs> part of the friction is like you wake up in bed and I've been through this. I wake up and I'm like, damn, the sun is out. Uh, everybody say, this is my chance. I can go now, but then I got to get out of bed and get dressed, Right. Um, and then just fumbling around trying to find your running gear, um, you know, all of that is friction, right? It's just yeah. more things in the way of you getting what you want to get done. Um, and so there are individuals that sleep in their running clothes, right? So they wake up first thing in the morning and they go for their run. <laughs> there are some people like me. I've done this where I lay out my running clothes, like sleeping in them. For yeah. me, that's not comfortable personally. So I will not do that. You know, laying the clothes out. Um, right. Having them readily available, like planned what I'm going to wear as opposed to rummaging through my drawers, trying to find, you know, something that's appropriate for the weather and stuff like that. So the night before, if I plan to run in the morning, I am checking the weather and I'm grabbing the appropriate gear. Right. So that I'm not doing that in the morning at the top of the hour trying to figure out because that's more friction. I'm going to realize that I'm hungry, that I got to use the bathroom, that, you know, whatever else might be in the way of me actually, or maybe the laundry is not even there. Right. Um, just the friction of not having clean laundry is like, damn, y'all don't have the, the gear that I need to run. I need to wash clothes. That is right. That, that there goes the run for the morning or at least that time that you planned because you have to sort of prepare in that way. So, you know, there's many different ways in which we can approach this sort of friction or reducing friction to getting, um, to meeting the goals that we set for ourselves if it's chopping vegetables that's like one of my pet peeves then <laughs> maybe we have them pre-chopped or pre you know sort of made so this way like one thing i used to do is grow chicken for my grilled chicken salads um the chicken was grilled on sunday i would do it all at one batch so this way whenever i made the salad for the week i would literally just chop the pieces of chicken up throw them in there um, after i made the salad run out the door right that was my strategy in medical school and it definitely helped me in terms of preparing meals um, at home um, and reducing that friction. So 
really what it comes down to is just being creative, right? And finding these creative solutions that can help reduce barriers to, you know, making these changes that we want to make. While it is very, uh, it's a very good idea to reduce the amount of friction because it can be an unnecessary headache that will just prevent you from going to your goals. Like you're like, oh, I have to do this, this, and this, and this, and then I can finally start working towards my goal. Um, it just can make you reduce your motivation, which is the next thing that we want to discuss on the show, um, is, you know, what is motivating you to actually make these goals? Um, why are you doing this? What idea or what have you noticed as you're reflecting from your previous year um, or as you noticed in other people that makes you want to actually have this goal that you want to stick to hopefully for all of 2023 um, and so that's one of the main things right is that we don't I mean some people do come up with their goals out of nowhere but most of us I feel have some sort of deeper hidden or deeper hitting meeting or they see something that they want or a future that they envision and they want to take the next steps towards it. Um, you know, there is hopefully you have an intrinsic motivation to why you're choosing the goals that you're choosing for 2023. Um, which again, they're not the easiest thing to do, right? When you are trying to break bad habits or instill new habits into your life, it is not a one, two, three, I can do it in a day kind of situation. It requires work. Um, it requires you trying to overcome as many obstacles as you can in order to achieve it, trying to think of a very, very way, a very good way in which you can incorporate what you have within yourself and your environment in order to actually achieve it. So there's a lot of thought processes that goes into it. So there is the intrinsic motivation, which hopefully you can contain, right? Because some people lose that throughout the year. Um, but if you can do it for yourself, that's also a very, very good motivator. It was definitely my motivator for 2022, which although I didn't start on January 1st, to be quite honest, um, you know, even this year, I'm kind of waiting for that lull, like that period of, you know, oh, it's 2023, kind of to settle down. And then I can realistically look into everything that I want to accomplish for this year. Um, but it is, you know, intrinsic motivation is very useful. Other than that, it is nice to have people that can also hold you accountable. So, yes, I 1000% agree. Accountability is key. Um, and that's one thing that I rely on y'all on, you know, as far as, uh, you know, you as uh, my co-host, Reed and Anastasia, uh, but also the Health in Harlem audience. Um, you know, I mean, you know, talk about being accountable, man. I... Did not reach that goal after I said that that was the goal, you know, to for all of the listeners in our listening audience. Um, I even posted it to social media. So, yeah, I'm accountable and I'm going to uh, come back and let people know, you know, where I stood um, at the end of last year and what my goals are this year, which I'm going to I'm going to rebound. That's the that's the plan going forward. You know, I'm happy to have another day and have another shot at this and, you know. Thank you all for for holding me accountable. But also, if you don't mind cheering a brother on, too, I would appreciate that. <laughs> Reed yeah, was doing it, though. Absolutely. I give you props. Reed was like definitely up there um, supporting me on charity miles and stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we checked in on each other at some points during the year last year um, in those first few months of 2022. So cheers to this year, man. I'm, I'm excited about it. Excited about moving forward. And I think we have some big things to come. Yeah. There's no time like the present. For real, for real, man. 
Um, also, ladies and gentlemen, as we said, we have some big goals ahead of us as far as health in Harlem is concerned. So be on the lookout for those announcements um, and details on future shows. And one thing, too, um, we, we really would like to hear from you all as far as what you would like from our program, right? As far as how we can better engage you all, how we can carry on conversations as we go forward, learn from one another, um, and also improve the program. And so we definitely want to open the floor to you all. And that is part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing as far as, right, establishing um, our organization as a not-for-profit as far as, you know, developing a website so that we can really communicate better with you all and really just provide the best information that we possibly can on this program. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for tuning in. Um, I want to thank my co-hosts, Reed and Anastasia, for joining me on the program tonight, um, and for being right, holding me accountable, supporting me in my resolutions um, as I support them as well. And we look forward to just bringing you some more great shows, ladies and gentlemen. As we say each and every week, ladies and gentlemen, this show is dedicated to the memory of Miss Gloria Thomas, Harlem. Take care of yourself. Thank you.